Fancy seeing you here. I'm your host, Allie Ray, a serial entrepreneur and mom who loves building brands and raising babies. This is a podcast about being on brand and in season in every facet of your life. Each week, we dive into topics around business and brand development while sprinkling some hard-earned life lessons in there too. So if you love a good brand and a good breakdown, buckle up and come along with me as I sort of seamlessly switch between major life roles in an attempt to fulfill all the life dreams of a type A Enneagram 3 millennial small business owner who wants to help other entrepreneurs and raise good humans. This is The Allie Ray Haney Show. Welcome back to another episode of the Allie Ray Haney Show. This is the first episode where I am giving you all a little glimpse into my personal life and what my background as an entrepreneur has looked like. I am a little bit hesitant to do this episode because I feel like it's like a tell-all episode at the end of like a reality TV series. But we are going to just go for it, and I'm going to kind of bare my soul, be uh, pretty vulnerable with you all as we dive into everything that has to do with the wedding venue in Kentucky. So if you have never even heard of me and you're wondering who is this woman and what is she talking about, in 2021, my husband got out of the Marine Corps, so he was no longer active duty and we became civilians. And that transition to civilian life in and of itself was a challenging transition, a lot more autonomy, a lot more accountability for the decisions that you make in your personal life in terms of like where you want to move and what you want to do and the work-life balance that comes with not being told that you have to do something or be somewhere for, you know, six months at a time, what have you. So that's where my story this particular story is going to begin is in the spring of 2021. And that was as he was preparing to get out of the Marine Corps, we were figuring out where in the world we were going to live. And he said, when we first got married, even maybe before we got married, that when he got out of the Marine Corps, regardless of whether that was in 20 years after he made it a full career, or if he decided to get out early, which in our case he did, he got out after seven years. Whenever he got out, he wanted to move to Kentucky. And I didn't really think much of it, A, because I thought we were going to be in for 20 years and that maybe that decision would change multiple times between now and then. And B, I didn't really know what the draw to Kentucky specifically was. He was born in Tennessee, but there was no real ties to Kentucky. However, he says he likes bourbon and he likes horses. So he wanted to go to Kentucky. What other better place could there be other than Kentucky to get those two things? So that's why we moved to Kentucky. And I said, well, if you get your dream of moving to Kentucky, then I would like to get my dream of owning and running a wedding venue. So as we decided to move to Kentucky, we began the search for possible properties that could be turned into a wedding venue. That search actually started long before 2021. I looked for almost two years at properties, just kind of dreaming and having like, you know, a catch-all filter on my realtor.com app that would send me properties that would fit our specifications. And we looked and looked and looked. We came out to Kentucky twice to look at various properties 
And the second time we came out to Kentucky was in April of 2021. We were actually staying in Lexington because we thought we wanted to be closer to the Lexington area as opposed to the Louisville area. And there was one property that was in this small little town called Bloomfield, Kentucky. And it was actually pending under contract with um, another buyer. And so while we were here, I believe that contract we found out fell through and we were thinking, should we actually go see it? Should we not go see it? It's like an hour away, but we're here. So maybe we should might as well go and do it. And I was about to call it quits on the whole, on the, the, that round of searching because we had looked at multiple properties where it looked great, but there was just something that felt kind of off. And my husband was very encouraging and said, you know, we're here in the state. We were living in Virginia at the time. So we had, he had to take time off work to, uh, go and look at properties. And he was like, we're here. We might as well go look. Let's just give it a chance. Don't write anything off. So we did. We went and came to Bloomfield, Kentucky to look at this beautiful 90 acre property. And I fell in love and I didn't want to fall in love. Like there were multiple things kind of like holding me back mentally to really want to jump in with both feet. And, and a lot of that was probably fear of failure, just my own lack of self-confidence. But when we got here, it was like uh, on paper, it checked every single box that we wanted it to check. Uh, there were places to have overnight guests. There were was a, a place for a honeymoon suite there was enough room that we could spread out and have tented weddings, a beautiful ceremony location overlooking this back pasture. There was a pond, there was rolling hills, places where we could put horses. There was a 5,000 square foot metal shop that could be renovated into a reception hall. It was, it literally checked all the boxes. So anyway, with the help of family, we did end up purchasing that property And as we were preparing for closing, I was basically doing a deep dive and getting prepared for everything. My background, of course, or I won't say my background really, but my strength really lies in branding and marketing. And I knew that in order to make this a viable business, I was going to have to market the hell out of it. And so I really focused on the very be- in the very beginning on creating a solid brand for this wedding venue, something that Central Kentucky didn't have. The business plan was very thorough. Um, it was, in fact, a 10-year plan that incorporated almost every member of our family. This was for sure going to be like a family affair. And yeah, it was a really, really beautiful dream. I'm going to jump into a little bit of the brand story behind the Commonwealth, which is the name that we settled on after months of kind of toiling over that. We decided on the Commonwealth weddings and events because we are originally, well, like I mentioned earlier, Caleb was born in Tennessee, but raised in Virginia. And I was born and raised in Virginia, which is one of the four Commonwealths in the United States. The second Commonwealth is Kentucky, and then Massachusetts and Pennsylvania round out those four. I really love the idea of incorporating our past with our present by 
you know, finding the things that were similar in the states that we had, that had been part of our story. And so that's where the name, the Commonwealth came from. The property consisted, like I said, of a a main house, a guest house, and that 5,000 square foot shop. The main house was going to be the overnight accommodations for the bridal party. And the main house has five bedrooms. Of course, there are only four commonwealths. So four of those rooms were named after the commonwealths of the United States. So one was the Virginia room, one was the Massachusetts room, one was the Pennsylvania room, and one was the Kentucky room. We did have one room that was left over, of course, and that room was not used as a bedroom by the previous owners. It was used as a study, so it had some really... It was like different colors than the rest of the house and had some really dark, pretty dark wood, like cherry wood wainscoting. And so we made that more of like a masculine room and didn't give it a name. But anyway, the Commonwealth theme ran very deep throughout our brand. In the foyer, there's marble floors, like Italian marble floors and big, beautiful columns. The marble floors are all in diamonds as well. So we used all of that within our logo and our technical brand. My goal was to make this wedding venue the most luxurious wedding venue in central Kentucky. We wanted to host wedding weekends as opposed to wedding days. So the idea is that the couple would check in on Friday afternoon. They would host their rehearsal dinner and rehearsal of the ceremony right here on site, and then they would be able to sleep over with their bridesmaids or groomsmen in the main house or family if they so choose, and then be able to get ready on site. They would be able to have their ceremony, their reception on site. That night after their wedding, there was a separate structure where the bride and the groom could stay overnight to celebrate their wedding night and not have to be with the rest of their family and friends. And then that next morning, they could wake up, have their farewell brunch, and then be on their married way. (laughs) See what I did there? So that was sort of the premise behind it. We were creating this, not necessarily all-inclusive, but for sure a luxurious experience at the Commonwealth. And I just had grand dreams of a beautiful 10-year business plan that incorporated every member of our family. We were going, have you guys seen the meme that says, were you a pleasure to have in class or were you really the type A oldest daughter with an undiagnosed anxiety disorder? Well, that's me. But the words in that statement I really like to focus on are pleasure and type A. And one thing that brings me pleasure as a type A woman is goal planning and achieving. Since 2017, I've been using this incredible goal planner called PowerSheets made by a company called Cultivate What Matters. It's a completely comprehensive standalone resource that walks you through the prep work to identify which areas of your life you want to focus on for the year. I use this goal planner for both my personal and professional goals. And my favorite part is that it walks you through how to break down those big goals into small actionable steps to execute throughout the year. A few goals I've achieved by using this planner are sending annual birthday cards to my friends, creating a schedule to meal plan and purchase groceries, and going through an entire service offering pivot within my business. So if you're looking to become more goal-focused and task-minded, PowerSheets are a great tool to get you there. Head to the Cultivate What Matters website at cultivatewhatmatters.com and use code Allie Ray Haney for 10% off at checkout. All right, now back to the episode. I'm going to start out as a tented wedding venue where you would be required to have your 
wedding reception under a like white sailcloth tent. And once we started having revenue coming in, we wanted to transition the and renovate the 5,000 square foot shop to be an indoor wedding venue or reception area so that we could host events all year round and weren't subjected to only hosting them in the warmer months. And that was the original very rough business plan. It was more of a grow small and or grow steadily like bit by bit as opposed to like throwing a ton of money at the renovations of the reception hall from the start. If you were to fast forward the plan by, I don't know, four or five years, I still have it written down somewhere, but our goal was to kind of transition me out of the venue manager position where I would be the, I don't, I I always hesitate to say CEO because of my obvious self-confidence issues, but essentially the CEO or the visionary of the company because there were going to be multiple streams of income. The first was going to be the wedding venue. The second was we wanted to begin to purchase smaller properties, like one to two bedroom properties on smaller acreage to be able to have short-term rentals around the area because this is a very rural area of Kentucky. We're about an hour from Louisville, hour from Lexington, and 30 minutes from Bardstown, and Bardstown is where the nearest hotels are. So we wanted to start buying up properties that we could convert into Airbnbs. And so that would obviously take another you know, person to manage those. And then finally, the sort of cherry on top of the Kentucky Sunday, so to speak, was we are right in the heart of the Bourbon Trail and we wanted to be part of that culture. And we really would have loved to create, build, become a micro distillery where our couples were able to pick out a barrel of bourbon that only their guests would ever be able to partake in. So a very exclusive, a very luxurious, one-of-a-kind event. That's what we wanted to offer our patrons, our clients, our customers, our couples. And that never actually happened. So now I'm going to transition from... (laughs) the 10-year plan to the actual occurrence. You might wonder how in the world did any of this happen where you actually secured the property but then weren't able to make it go through. And it's an interesting story because we, even though we are not, I would say, the most experienced in the real estate world, I I, I don't feel that same way anymore. Um, But at the time, we were figuring it out as we went. But if nothing else, I am a planner and I do my due diligence anytime I'm diving into something new. And we did our due diligence. We tried to get a contingency on the contract to get a conditional use permit on the property prior to the purchase of the property. We were in touch with the zoning administrator prior to the purchasing of the property. We did everything we could in order to make sure that this was going to be a viable plan. And so as we were figuring out what our next steps were, let me back up. (laughs) My initial contact with the zoning administrator was before we even put in a, an offer. And we were told that 
there should not be any issues having the conditional use permit go through and a conditional use permit in case you don't know, because I didn't know much before this process was anytime there's a piece of property, it is zoned for a specific use. That use could be residential. It could be commercial, industrial, agricultural. The property that we wanted to use, or excuse me, that we wanted to purchase was zoned agricultural. However, because we wanted to run a wedding venue on it, we were using it for a purpose that was not initially intended per the zoning. So to use it outside of its zoning laws or rules, we have to get what's called a conditional use permit. And that process, I was under the impression, would be a very, not necessarily easy, but straightforward process. And it was not. (laughs) We were told that the permit couldn't be guaranteed, but based off of the other venues in the county, there were two at the time, that they don't anticipate any issues coming up. So we go ahead with the offer with the ultimate purchase of the property, despite being told that we could not go through with the conditional use permit process prior to purchasing the property. That was also something that I tried to do. Um, we were told that the our names had to be on the title of the property prior to filing for that conditional use permit. And I'm telling you all of this stuff because it's pertinent to the story later on. <laughs> so we purchased the property, hit the ground running when we got here. We went and um, wanted to go get that permit process underway as quickly as possible. And part of that process is notifying all of the neighbors um, that have adjoining property lines to you that there's some someone's trying to put up a conditional use permit for a property for XYZ use. And so we knew that those letters would be going out and we wanted to introduce ourselves prior to that happening. We wanted to show everyone that we were good humans and that we had everyone's best interest at heart, that we weren't coming in here from, you know, another place and trying to disrupt their lifestyles, that we were simply living out a dream of mine. And that didn't go over well. (laughs) Um, We were not well received. Uh, Of the, I think it's 11 property owners, we were only able to speak with three of those and two didn't seem to care. Well, none of them seemed to care at the initial time of introduction and anyone else that we weren't able to speak with, we left a letter in the flag of their mailboxes with our phone numbers, with our names, with our stories so that we could be in touch with them if they wanted to ask us questions. Yeah. Within, I don't know, days, within days of us doing that, there was a letter circulating to, I'm pretty sure everyone within a two mile radius of our home to come and petition against us at the conditional use permit meeting. There were also signs at the end of our road and the end of the road that our road is off of that gave the date, time, location of our permit hearing and told people to come and speak against us because we were bringing commercialism to the country. And that commercialism sign had a dollar sign as the S. 
Oh, memories. <laughs> so this was all within the first two weeks of us living here. And unfortunately, that first meeting got postponed because someone in the zoning office had COVID. So that gave everyone that did not want us to do a wedding venue even more time to organize and strategize, I guess is the best word, against us. So going into that first meeting, once I saw those signs, I was like, I don't know what we just got ourselves into. We were under the impression that, like I said, it might not be an easy process, but it was relatively straightforward and no one else has ever had any issues with running a wedding venue on their property and we're on 90 acres. Like, yeah, it it just blew my mind. So From that point on, I didn't know whether I was going to be able to handle it myself. Like I mentioned, I knew the basics of real estate, but I obviously was not a real estate attorney knowing the ins and outs. And so we hired a real estate attorney and that attorney came with us to our first zoning meeting. And while I did take the lead for the most part, I guess he was there in person. I don't know. I feel like there was not very much help on that front either, but that is neither here nor there at this point. When we arrived to the meeting, the parking lot was packed and we had both of our kids at the time. We had two kids at the time and my husband had just started a new job and we didn't have a childcare provider at that point. So all four of us packed up. We went to the meeting. My husband had the kids in the next room Um, doing his best to play with them and keep them occupied while I was presenting all of this information to the board. And we had 15 people, I believe, speak against us, which is the most in county history. Our first meeting lasted over two hours, and that was the longest in county history. So we just hit the ground running, breaking all kinds of county records from the moment we stepped into Kentucky. And that first meeting was riddled with concerns, some legitimate, some illegitimate. Uh, I guess some of the highlight reels of the illegitimate concerns were that we were going to basically make the property into a music festival and have people popping up tents all over the 90 acres. Um, Other people were concerned that we were going to have noise pollution and light pollution that would affect them being able to hear the owls hoot at night. (laughs) And finally, one of the other illegitimate concerns was that we would be attracting and bringing sex offenders to the area. So we were faced with a lot and that meeting ended in a continuation to a second meeting where I was required to get more information from county officials such as the health department for septic, such as the county road engineer to make sure the road could support the traffic that we were bringing on, the county engineer to also give us the same information. I never would in my life would have thought that I knew what a QK4 test was until <laughs> until this time. Um, so we had a lot of phone calls to make before the next meeting that was set to be in two weeks. It was a busy two weeks. Again, at this point, we didn't have childcare and I was making phone calls and scheduling meetings with 
that like the county road engineer, the health department, everyone. And essentially what I was trying to tell the board was, of course, we were trying to do our due diligence and doing everything the right way the first time. So yes, of course, we planned on properly installing septic and going through the health department to do that. We were planning on making sure that there was ways not to like have noise pollution go to to our neighbors. Like all of that was on our minds, but we weren't going to invest the time and money and extra resources into that if we weren't going to be approved for the permit in the first place. And of course, that's why we came to get the permit first. And that second meeting, oh, that second meeting, there were actually only two people that came to speak against us. And at that point, it was supposed to be a meeting that was open to the public, but not open to public comment. It was simply supposed to be me and the board discussing the concerns and the findings that I had researched from the county officials. And of course, that didn't happen. The first meeting, we were told that everyone was able to speak for... I believe it was four minutes one time. There were individuals that got up and spoke three to four times, some speaking upwards of 10 minutes each of their turns. It was just the Wild West. Like, no one was following directions. No one was instituting or implementing or enforcing any of the rules. And so it felt like I had gotten railroaded. And then the second meeting, like I mentioned, open to public but not open to public comment. And still, people showed up and spoke. (laughs) And the board allowed it. And it was just wild to me that I felt like I was following all of the rules and trying to do everything the right way. And essentially what it came down to was I'm not from around here. So I don't know how things work around here. And because you're from out of town, we don't welcome you. And we're going to make it really hard for you to get this permit. But actually you came really prepared and you did everything we asked you to do. So we can't not give it to you. But we're going to give you 18 restrictions on this permit. And so some of those restrictions, mind you, we live on 90 acres, were that we couldn't have string lights because they were afraid of the extra light pollution. (laughs) We couldn't have outdoor music except for low music during an outdoor ceremony. Remember, I told you my, my business plan from beginning was that we were going to start with outdoor tented wedding receptions so that we could then work our way up to (laughs) renovating that reception hall. No, that's not going to happen because of this permit. So that immediately is anywhere from 500,000 to in a million dollar renovation that we'll have to foot the bill with no income because we can't have weddings without a reception hall, but we can't do anything outside. What are some of the other restrictions? Many of the other restrictions were ones that we would have had to go through with like the um, county inspector anyway, like the amount of people that we could have at a an event. It was just all a lot. And then, look, there's nothing more on brand or in season than confidence. Whether you're an entrepreneur or a mom, in a time of imposter syndrome and constant comparison, we could all use a little bit more confidence. And that's what Created Colorful gave me. Created Colorful is a virtual color analysis where you are given your knockout color palette for guaranteed constant confidence. Imagine going into a store and knowing exactly what to pick out to make you look your best at all times. That's what Created Colorful gave me after a bout with postpartum depression, as well as an isolating entrepreneurial endeavor. 
So if you would like a quick confidence boost, use code Allie Ray for $15 off your created colorful virtual color analysis. You can book that analysis at createdcolorful.com slash virtual color analysis. Use code Allie Ray, that's A-L-I-R-A-E at checkout for $15 off your consult and be one step closer to the confidence you crave. Between those two meetings, the first meeting and the second meeting, I did a ton of research on the other two wedding venues. I pulled the minutes from those old meetings. The first one walked in and he had been a member of the community for ever, like I think born and raised here, but his son wanted to do a wedding venue on their property. And essentially they were like, okay, got to have the music off by this time. And that was it. That was the only restriction. The second one, as I was reading through the minutes, I thought it was very interesting because in the minutes they said something about the closing date and that it was approaching. So that tells me that they were filing for a conditional use permit on a property that they didn't yet own, which I was told that I could not do. Finally, (laughs) that second venue was also allowed to start their wedding venue with a parking lot and a field. No gravel, no nothing. They were told that they had to have gravel within a specific time frame, but they were allowed to have people parking in the grass. We were told that we had to have gravel to start with and had to have it paved within a specific amount of time, which I believe that time frame was 18 months. Do you know how much it would cost us to pave that within the first 18 months of our business after already having to renovate the reception hall right off the start? That would be another around $75,000, and that's even with a discounted rate because my husband works a local paving company. So now we are $1,075,000 into this, and we haven't even been able to start yet. And that's not, that's of course not including the purchase property of the purchase price of the property. So all of that to say, I have to tell you now how the meeting ended with our permit with 18 restrictions. Well, one of our neighbors decided that it was a good idea to threaten us on public record. And because I have marked this as a non-explicit show, I will, (laughs) I will replace any words that she used in a uh, nice way. She said, as I had my back turned to her and was packing up my things to go get my kids in the next room, if anything happens to my kids, it'll be your last effing day on this earth. You're not from around here. You don't know how we do things. And then after I got my things together, gathered myself in the next room, started to walk out with my husband, my kids, and our attorney, an older gentleman decided to follow us to our vehicles tell us that we are the monsters of Ashes Creek, which is the area where we live, that no one wants us here and that this won't end well. I had no idea who this man was. He was not at the first meeting. I, if I wanted to file a police report, I couldn't because he never signed in. I didn't know where he lived. And I just need you guys for a second to put yourselves in my shoes as a mom of two young children, three and one at the time, having to go home and sleep on a property where I knew I wasn't welcome and not know where the threat was coming from. So while I was just threatened that something about something happening to someone else's kids while we run a wedding venue on our property, I now feel like I have to sleep with my kids in my same bedroom 
because I was told that this won't end well. And now my address is public record as well because I tried to do the right thing and go through with the conditional use permit process the way the county outlined. So this gave us a lot to think about. It affected our business plan. It affected our personal lives, our daily lives. Still, to this day, two years later, when we pass some of those neighbors on the road, we get flicked off. (laughs) And it's just so, so crazy that we couldn't have a decent conversation even. And it it just makes me so sad. And, you know, I, I felt like there was a little bit of a win in there because we got the permit, right? That's what we wanted. But at the same time, I was like, I don't know how we're going to be able to make this happen. We don't have a million bucks to throw into this renovation. And even if we did, like our neighbors could see when people were coming to the venue and they all have shooting ranges that, you know, go around our 90 acres and they clearly all know each other. So They are able to communicate and anticipate when the ceremonies would be and start shooting, you know, during the ceremonies. They could run their four-wheelers while ceremonies were going. They could sabotage us in many, many ways. And I knew after that meeting that we had a target on our backs and they would probably do anything within their power to be able to make us fail. And it just didn't. It took me a long time. I was still meeting with contractors through, I want to say February, to start figuring out how we were going to renovate the reception hall, how we were going to install the trees that needed to be installed to buffer the noise. That was also a requirement on the permit. How we were going to move the driveway, how we were going to make sure that we were abiding everything like by ADA standards and compliance and all of that. So that puts us into January, February of 2022. And I think everyone around me knew it, (laughs) that it wasn't going to happen, but I was in denial. I wanted this so badly that I was willing to be blind to the truth. So it was in about April of 2022 when I finally opened my eyes or was ready to see the truth that was this wedding venue is not going to work. It's, it, or it could work. It could work, but it wasn't going to be the venue that I had in my 10 year plan. It wasn't going to be the luxurious exclusive experience that I thought it was going to be, that it could be. It was going to be just another barn venue. And that was that, but just another barn venue wasn't going to pay the bills. Wasn't going to do what I needed it to do for our family. And so that's when we decided to pivot. And that pivot looked like an Airbnb so that we could bide our time and pay the bills and figure out what our next steps were going to be. I want to add that we found out we were pregnant with our third child in December of 2021. So I was almost halfway through the pregnancy or over halfway through the pregnancy in April when I decided that we were going to do Airbnb. He was due in the beginning of August. And so we had then another timeline that we were kind of working against. So it was in April that we made the decision to convert the big house or the main house into the Airbnb. And the family, our family of four at the time was moving into the guest house. 
The guest house is about 900 square feet. It's two bedrooms. So the big kids that I now so lovingly call them, they were going to be sharing a room and it was then our bedroom and a bathroom and a kitchen living space. So in May, we moved over to the guest house and July, I had all of the furniture ready and the Airbnb ready to go. I had contacted the zoning board and said, I had permission on the initial wedding venue permit to have X amount of guests stay overnight. Am I good to go on an Airbnb? Because that had been a conversation in the initial meeting as well. And I was told, yes, you're good to go. So we started opening the books in July of 2022. And I knew, well, technically I didn't know at the time, but I was going to have a C-section with my son in mid-August. And so once we, once I realized that I had to have a C-section, I blocked out the weeks. So Emerson, our youngest son, came on August 19th. I ended up having to have an emergency C-section. And thankfully, we're both here. The doctor saved our lives, but... I wasn't able to climb the stairs to the guest house to get upstairs to heal and take care of him. So we blocked out the dates uh, for my recovery at the big house and we stayed over there. But we had hosted our first round of guests in July and the neighbors immediately were adamantly against that. They took screenshots of my Instagram. They screenshotted the cars in front or took pictures of the front of our house with cars in front of it. They screenshotted the Airbnb listing, turned us into the planning and zoning board and planning and zoning board told us that we had to come in again for a another conditional use permit specifically for short-term rentals that were not on Fridays and Saturdays. Oh, this whole saga was like it was never going to end, and we were just trying to pay the bills. So Emerson was born in August while, literally like while I was hugely overdue pregnant. I was going into the zoning office to make sure I had all the right paperwork so that we could schedule the next meeting. And during that time, there was also another, that venue that I told you about initially where the son wanted to conduct a venue on their property. That venue at this point has been in business, I believe 10 or 12 years. It's been a while. And so they're reputable around here. And they went in for an addendum to their permit so that they could have overnight guests with an eight bed, eight bath house renovation and a new pool. They were in and out in 15, maybe 20 minutes. And I was just, of course, not mad at the owners. I think it's a great idea. It was my idea, but I was just astounded. And I actually attended that meeting at like eight, eight and a half, nine and a half. I don't remember. Very pregnant in July. And it was just incredible to me to see the difference in the way I was treated versus the difference that they were treated. And I'm getting off track here, but had baby Emerson in August and then had to go about less than a month postpartum, have somebody watch my three-week-old baby because I didn't feel safe bringing him to that meeting after everything that had happened the last time we were there. And I still had people come and speak against us. And it was just wild to me. You know, I'll say that at least that time I wasn't threatened. I mean, I guess that's a silver lining 
and we were approved to run the Airbnb the way that we pretty much wanted to air, run the Airbnb. But those same neighbors tried to use our unborn child against us as far as the guest count goes. They were like, they were approved for X amount of people. And now they're four people living on property, soon to be five people. Like, how does that affect the septic? Like, wild to me doing anything to to try and put a roadblock in front of us. And it was just devastating, devastating. I vividly remember it was one of the first days that Caleb had gone back to work after I had Emerson and I was finally able to climb the stairs to the guest house. It was one of my first days at home with all three kids by myself. And they decided they wanted to have target practice. Fine. It's free country. Do what you want. It did impact me because I had, you know, three young kids, one of which I was breastfeeding and another of which I was trying to get down for a nap and I was breastfeeding one and my son got scared when they shot off Tannerite, which if you don't know what Tannerite is, it sounds like a actual bomb going off. And it scared him so much that he bit my scar, my like fresh three week old C-section scar. He bit me because he was trying to hide his face in my stomach after that bomb went off. Well, after the Tannerite went off, that sounded like a bomb. And then I had a four-year-old daughter asking me if our house was going to blow up someday. And I, I don't know how people can be so mean. <laughs> Let's fast forward to now. We run a successful Airbnb and much of that craziness has calmed down. We're still not on really speaking terms with any of them, but to my knowledge, we've not been referred back to planning and zoning for any either legitimate or made up infractions of the rules that were set forth on the Airbnb permit. But it was a hard, has been a hard two years of trying to understand the failure or whether it's not a failure or an accident or whatever you want to call it. It's just, I don't, as a type type A planner who thought she had all of her bases covered, had created this beautiful brand this idea, this vision, this dream to have it all pulled out from under me for circumstances that were beyond my control is devastating. I, I've learned a lot. We've grown a lot as a family of five now. Literally, our family has grown, but also emotionally, our family's grown. We've lived in, a, we lived in 900 square feet altogether for, since May of 2022, so two, almost two years now. And, you know, we've we figured it out. We've learned a lot. One of the major lessons that I've learned from this is that you have to stop viewing any occurrence like in personal life, professional life as, as a failure or a success. Otherwise, you'll probably slide into a deep, dark entrepreneurial hole, personal hole, like whatever it is. I was battling some postpartum depression after I had my, son, my third son. I've looked back on it. I did not battle postpartum depression after my daughter or or my uh, second child, my second or first son, second child. And I think it has a lot to do with the environment that I was in, but I've decided that I can't look at this as a failure. I have to look at this as an experiment. We made an educated decision. We did our best to figure out what was going to work for this space, for this county, for our family. And it didn't work. So now I have data points to back that up and move forward in the future. 
but that transition in mindset of it's not success or failure, it's an experiment to collect data points, that was pivotal because I, I felt like I failed. I, I actually remember sitting on the couch with my husband when we were deciding whether or not to make this into an Airbnb, and I said, I think this is my story. This is our story. Like every entrepreneur or entrepreneurial family has the story of when they thought it was the end. But instead of it being the end, it was just a really rocky beginning. And I don't know what the next chapters are going to look like, but I, I have to believe that this is, this is part of the story. And that's exactly how I view it now. The second thing that I learned was that I have to let the data tell me when it's time to pivot because it's really, really easy to let ego get in the way. But I beg of you, do not let your ego get in the way. I also remember another conversation with my husband and with one of my best friends, Cassie. I had the same conversation with both of them. And I said, I think it's my pride. I think my pride is louder than my logic right now. And a recent conversation with my friend Cassie was like, no, we all knew that it was eventually going to come to this. We just didn't know when you were going to know. Like you had to know on your own. And when I finally sat down and said, okay, this is the original vision that I set forth based off of the conditions that we now have or the circumstances that we now have, am I going to be able to make this happen? And the answer was no. But it was really, really hard to acknowledge that answer. I had to sit down and look at it black and white and remove any bit of emotion. And trust me, when you are <laughs> pregnant or freshly not pregnant, you, you have a lot of emotion there. And, and that was really hard for me. The next thing I learned was that I had to realize when the business or even the idea of the business was taking a toll on other areas of my life that were unrelated to that business. You know, I said we grew closer as a family, but that didn't come without its challenges either. I felt like I was shouldering a lot of the, the sentiment of failure on my own shoulders, and that was very isolating from my husband. I thankfully had a very awesome childcare provider that came to our home like three days a week throughout most of this process. And I felt like I couldn't function without her. Like my, my role as a mother was suffering because I was pouring everything I had into this business that wasn't going to go anywhere, but I hadn't acknowledged that it wasn't going to go anywhere yet. So like all of the areas outside of my business life were suffering a little bit more backstory to like my business background. I was a wedding photographer. That's what got me into the wedding world. And I completely stopped taking weddings once we started the wedding venue venture, because obviously I couldn't be shooting a wedding and running a wedding at the venue at the same time. So that was a whole other hurdle of weddings book out anywhere from six to 18 months. So there was a huge gap in income now that we weren't replacing my wedding photography business income with the wedding venue income. So this was devastating our, our finances as well. At some point, you have to learn when to like wave the white flag and pivot and start a new plan. And that's what happened in April when we decided to go to an Airbnb. And my final lesson that I would love to impart or include in this episode is that I'm here to tell you that anything is a season. Whatever it is you're going through, it's a season. Even if it's a, a good season, enjoy the good in that season. But if it's a bad season, know that it's only temporary. That season does not have to define you. And although I wouldn't say that I am totally on the other side of this season, I'm on the upswing of the season. And it's a relief. 
I don't know how else to say it, but it's like a, it's not like an immediate release of pressure off my chest, but I can now feel like I can start to breathe again. Now that I'm acknowledging that it's not going to work, that we are taking steps forward to be able to create a new chapter and let this just be that a chapter of our story and not, not the whole story. So now where we're going from here is I actually got my real estate license to be able to be the listing agent on this property. So the property is at this moment on the market. And if you know of anyone that wants to move to central Kentucky, as long as you're not running a business on this property, it's a really beautiful property to be part of. I still find myself kind of lamenting the fact that we had even had, you know, consults, I guess, or quotes given to us for building homes on this property so we could also live here because this property backs up to Taylorsville Lake. And although you don't have access to the lake because it's an army Corps lake you can still have the view of the lake and i was just so excited to have a lake view for for our home this property has a lot of potential if you're using it within agricultural purposes i know that i haven't really sold it well here but it is a a breathtaking home homes plural but yeah it's been quite the entrepreneurial journey here in central kentucky throughout the last two years but I'd like to think that we are coming out on top with an incredible uh, story <laughs> and an even stronger marriage and family for it. So I hope this answers some of your questions about our time in Kentucky and our adventure with the wedding venue. I really appreciate you all turning in to yet another episode of the Allie Ray Haney Show, and I'll catch you next week. As my son would say, did it. He just completed another episode of the Allie Ray Haney Show. If you found this helpful, please rate, review, and subscribe to help others find this show and so you never miss an episode. Take a look at the show notes for all the resources mentioned in today's episode. Let's continue the conversation over in my private Facebook group, the Allie Ray Haney Show Insiders. See you next Wednesday. And as always, I'm here cheering you on as you build your dream brand and business.